My topic today is the porn trap, the pornography trap. Open your Bibles to Judges chapter 16. We're going to camp out there. We have been learning over these three weeks that sex is God's amazing design. It was His idea. He created sex. He invented sex. And what we've learned from the teaching of Scripture is that the best sex, the most enjoyable sex, happens within the holy and sacred union of marriage. I love reading the Bible because it takes me behind the scenes and shows me the outcomes of people's lives based on their choices, even their choices when it comes to sex. And today I want to spend some time looking at the life of Samson. Samson, he lived during a period when Israel's history, when Israel had no kings, they had judges. Men and women that God raised up gave them wisdom and insight and, and in some cases unique power so that they can provide guidance and leadership and focus to the nation of Israel. Samson was one of those judges. God gave Samson phenomenal strength to the point where he can take a jawbone of a donkey and kill a thousand people. Samson had made a vow and this was the formation of the basis of his strength. It's called the vow of a Nazarite. There are three things a Nazarite had to do. One, abstain from wine and strong drink. Two, avoid contact of any kind with any dead body, carcass. Three, never cut your hair. Let's begin reading at verse 1. One day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. The people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night saying, at dawn we'll kill him. But Samson lay there only until the middle of the night. Then he got up and took hold of the doors of the city gate, together with the two posts, and tore them loose, bar and all. He lifted them to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Let's take a step back. This topic is a very sensitive, sensitive topic. Pornography. And some people wonder, can that be a topic taught in church? Is that taboo? Absolutely not. But what I know as a pastor is that my job is not to provide or not to present any condemnation whatsoever because that's not how God feels about people. My job is to come alongside of you and provide care and counsel and at times even confrontation. As I teach and unpack this sermon, you're going to see all three of those things, care, comfort, and confrontation. But I want you to know the goal, if you are someone impacted by this directly or indirectly, the goal is to get you to experience God's wonderful deliverance. Let's take a look now to the text. This man, Samson, he saw a prostitute and decided to spend all night with her. 
The Philistines said, Samson is here in Gaza, the most principal city in the Philistine territory. And so they hid close by the city gate. That was a gate that closed the city or opened the city. City gates typically in ancient civilizations about 10 feet wide, 10 feet high. So it wasn't like a gate, like these set of doors to the, to the sanctuary. These doors are nothing. Now, I could knock the doors off and carry them off. But when the scholars assess and evaluate the potential weight of the doors based on how the doors were had the bars on it to, to make sure it was locked, and oftentimes the doors were covered with metal on the front and on the back, exterior and interior of the, of the, of the city gate, and the columns that are holding the doors, the post. When Samson got up at the middle of the night and he ripped the doors and the post out of the ground and carried it up the hill, it was anywhere from five to ten tons. Now, no one messed with Samson. You gonna mess with a guy who pick up five tons? Do you understand what that is? That's 10,000 pounds. You're not going to mess with a guy like that. You're going to leave him alone. And so, again, his life was saved. He was rescued from potential death. Samson, Samson's bravado, it just went wild throughout the country and wild in Philistine territory. Everybody knew, don't mess with Samson because this guy will kill you. I don't care how strong you may be, he's stronger. But there was a dark side to Samson. He loved the prostitutes. And the Bible in the New Testament has a word that, that encompasses all of sexual immorality, including getting involved with prostitutes. The New Testament used the word sexual immorality. And since the New Testament was written in the Greek language, the Greek word for sexual immorality was pornea, where we get the English word pornography, or the abbreviation porn. And so pornea, or pornography, it included sex sins of masturbation, fornication, sex outside of marriage. It includes prostitution and being involved with prostitutes. It includes orgies. It includes hookups. It includes voyeurism. It includes sodomy. It includes porn. And so Samson had a major problem with porn. I want you to put on your CSI shirt. Crime scene investigators. We're going to go and check things out because this thing with Samson, it, it grew to a point where he, his life ended prematurely. His ministry ended prematurely with a shroud of shame and disappointment that was just washed over the landscape and the nation of Israel all because this man couldn't handle himself in his sexuality. So as a CSI agent, as are you, let's try to figure out what went wrong? And looking at it, you'll see he was deceived. Sexual sin is deceptive. It deceives because it never lives up to what it promises. It promises to bring you happiness. It never lives up to that because lust is so consuming, it traps you and you don't realize that because it seems so subtle. Years ago, when the Eskimo tried to kill a wolf before the days of shotguns and rifles, they would take a large knife and coat the, the blade with blood and freeze it. 
and then recoat the frozen blood over the blade with fresh blood, freeze that, do it several times until the blade is so covered with this blood that's frozen, and then they put one more layer of blood on it and put it out in the Arctic and stick the handle in the snow and leave it there. And because of the strong scent of wolves, a wolf would come and smell it and come out next to the blade and start licking it and then realizes it's blood, it's safe. And he starts licking it more and more vigorously. And then what the wolf doesn't realize is that he bites into it and he's licking now his own warm blood. And so when the Eskimo comes out in the morning, there's the dead wolf laying there next to the knife. He was consumed by his own lust. That's exactly what happens to someone who's caught in porn. They're deceived and it hooks them. Samson was deceived to think that forbidden sex would alleviate the stress and fill the void of relational intimacy. When I look back to Judges chapter 14, I found out something happened to Samson. Back then, a person, when they got married, they have a week-long party with all their guests. Samson had a week-long party, and his wife betrayed his trust by telling one of his secrets to her people. Samson was so angry, he left her. That same marriage week, left her and went back to live with his mom and dad. On top of that, the wife then married one of his friends who happened to be a member of his bridal party. So think about this, this big gaping hole in Samson's soul that he was, he, his, his trust was, was, was violated. He experienced the pain of betrayal. And so he turned to, to prostitutes to be able to try to medicate all of that pain that was going on in his heart. And he longed for real relationships, but he kept to the silent and self-destructive path of being involved with prostitutes because there would be less possibility of getting hurt because it's just a transaction. Give me sex, I give you money. Samson was deceived into thinking sex and porn would heal his wound. And it didn't. Paul spoke to this very point in 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3. The apostle says, God wants you to be holy and stay away from sexual sins. So Paul's saying, look, God wants you to Carry yourself a certain way, function a certain way. And that word sexual there in 1 Thessalonians 4.3, it's that word again, pornea. If I reread that verse with that understanding, it says, God wants you to be holy and stay away from porn. Some people say, what? I didn't know that that, that pornography is, is taboo with God and it's taboo also for me. And you know the reason why it's taboo with God? Because he loves you so much that he doesn't want to see your sexuality stained in any way and you hurt in any way. So God wants you to be holy and to stay away from porn for that reason. When you think about the facts surrounding porn, it's frightening. Unlike alcohol or drug addiction, Someone who's addicted to porn or arousal addiction, they crave sexual material that is constantly changing. They first start watching porn 
And it's normal sex, a man having sex with a woman, a woman having sex with a man. But then their thirst grows. And then they start watching other things. People having sex with kids, or group sex, or hookups, or gay sex, or bestiality. People having sex with animals, or sexual violence, domination, sadomasochism, or sex with feces. Yes, feces. I'm not trying to gross you out. I'm simply saying this thing is very, very frightening. It so distorts a person's mind that they don't even know what normal becomes. The Barner Research Group in year 2016, by their survey data, it was alarming, the information that they presented. They said among young adults in America, 56% say not recycling is immoral, but only 32% of them say viewing porn is immoral. In other words, to a young adult, a teenager, young adult, someone under age 25, they're saying, if you don't recycle, put out your plastics, put out your cardboard, what you're doing is more immoral than if I watch porn. Porn's down here, not recycling's up here in regards to morality. How the world has gotten so twisted and crazy. And Paul helps to reshape the way we think and view it. And so he continues in 1 Thessalonians 4, and verse 4, the apostle says, He, that is God, wants each of you to learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Don't use your body for sexual sin like the people who do not know God. So Paul's saying, look, when you accept Christ as Savior, he changes everything about you. That you don't want to look like the world in any stretch of the imagination or function with your sexuality like the world. In this digital age, this ugly monster of porn rears its head. And so you need to then see 72% of non-Christian males, that is between the age of 13 to 24, regularly watch porn. Let me flip to the Christian side. 41% of Christian males between the ages of 13 to 24 regularly view porn. 55% of non-Christian males over age 25 watch porn. 23% of Christian males over age 25 watch porn. 36% of non-Christian females between the age of 13 to 24 regularly watch porn. In the Christian community, 13% of females aged 13 to 24 view porn. See, porn is not a, a male issue alone. It's female issue as well. Both genders. And 17% of non-Christian females over age 25 regularly log on to porn sites. Contrast against 5% of Christian females over 25 regularly view porn. Great time to pull out your smartphone as we leave this chart up so you can take a picture. Why? You may say, well, ah, that's nothing to do with me. Maybe you're going to be called by God to help someone and you should understand because this is a major issue in our country. 
It's a major issue economically. It's, it's major because 30% of all the website searches, all of the internet materials, 30% is pornographic. In fact, the, the web traffic to porn sites, it's greater than web traffic to Netflix, Twitter, and Amazon combined. It's so alarming that porn has caused a 300% increase in marital infidelity in our country. 300%. This porn trap is very dangerous. Now, I want to show you how dangerous it is. I got these traps here. These are actually bear traps. And when a person gets trapped by porn, as was the case of Samson, you're getting around, you have a desire, it's so innocent, and then all of a sudden, you, you get trapped. And one of the reasons why it's deceptive is because you're still functional. I can go to work. I can make love to my wife. I can make love to my husband if you're married as a woman and there's nothing wrong because you're saying I still function. When you're reading a story to your kids, it still has you, but you're functional. You can even come to church and still have a porn addiction and you're functional. I showed you the stats among the Christian community. It's alarming. And so the danger is because I can function that it's okay because like Samson, there's a big difference between gifts and character. Giftedness and character and integrity. Big chasm between the two. And never, 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 never get them confused. Samson was powerfully gifted. Amazing strength. Amazing gift. But he had a problem with the honeys. And you know what's so sad? It can happen to any one of us. And when it happens, it's so subtle. You, you, you don't even realize. Jada Pinkett Smith, the wife of Will Smith, the actor, she's an actress also, she said, back in the day, I had a little porn addiction. But I wasn't in a relationship when I had a porn addiction, believe it or not. Thank goodness. It was actually like filling an emptiness. At least you think it is, but it's actually not. Samson was trying to fill the void created by the distrust from his wife, the distrust of close friends, and he's trying to fill it with sexual immorality. And the more he tried, the less it filled it. So it deceives. Porn also defeated him. Sexual sin, it's a monster. It will grow up and destroy you if you don't get help. I bring you now to verse 4 of Judges 16. Sometime later, he, that's Samson, fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. Ladies, never name your daughter Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, 
See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. I want you to get a picture now. Delilah was a professional temptress, a seducer, a master manipulator of men, particularly men who liked to play the sex games. She looked good, and she knew she looked good. And even the Philistine leaders, there were five of them, they knew she looked good. You couldn't resist her, particularly as a guy who loved prostitutes. No way. They came to her and said, we heard Samson has come to spend some time with you. I want you to see how bad it's gotten now. He's not just spending one night, extended time with the prostitute. I'm talking about days. The Bible is silent how long, but we know it's several days, it may have been weeks. And they said, if you can lure him, work your magic, Delilah. Use your sexual prowess. Give him the, you know, the, the, let him lose his willpower so he can tell you the basis of his strength so we can kill him. And each of us, five of us, each of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. I did my research. What is the value of 1,100 shekels multiplied by five, 5,500 shekels in Delilah's day? When you go through the math, you go through the value, you go through all those things, it's equivalent to 31 and a half years worth of, worth of salary. That's a whole lot of money. Think about what you make in a year. Multiply that almost by 32. That's what these guys are going to pay Delilah. When Delilah realized, I don't have to prostitute myself again. I don't have to work again. I'm going to be a rich woman. All I got to do is just, just, just give up on this guy. Let's expose him. If I can do that, then I'm, I'm cool. And so Delilah says, yeah, I'll give up on him. I'll tell him. I'll tell you about him. Let me go and work my magic. And she started to talk to him and ask him, what's your secret? And he lied to her three times. And then on the fourth time, he's so defenseless now, he is lying in her lap, his head in her lap. And right at that point, he's not even aware of his challenge. Porn has so defeated him because as he's laying there, he falls asleep and they cut off all of his hair and all of his power. When he got up, he realized all my power is gone. And he wasn't able to defeat them. And they gouged out his eyes and threw him in prison and had him grinding corn, which was a woman's job, constantly in humiliation. Paul said to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18, So run away from sexual sin. Every other sin people do is outside their bodies. But those who sin sexually sin against their own bodies. So Paul's saying, look, Run away from porn. It's, it's highly addictive. And, and so much so that if you get involved, it'll just hook you in. This, 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 the Bible's warning us, run away from it. Don't, don't play with it. Don't, don't get close to it. Don't just say, let me just look and see what's the issue. He says, no, it's highly addictive. And its impact is devastating to you and those connected to you. Run away from it. Josh Duger a former reality TV star said, who, he says, while espousing faith and family values, 
I've secretly, over the last several years, been viewing pornography on the internet, and this became a secret addiction, and I became unfaithful to my wife. I'm so ashamed of the double life that I've been living, and I'm grieved for the hurt, pain, and disgrace my sin has caused my wife and family. So you can see when, when, when someone's defeated, they, they don't even struggle anymore because they say, ah, it's, this is how my life is. There's, there's no freedom. They, they, they have no sense of hope. They just say, this is how it is. And so you can see, you know, that's where Samson got into. I can't get free. This is just, I, I reduce my life to, I'm bound to being involved in sexual morality. But I want you to see Paul saying, look, every other sin you get involved with, it's unlike sex sins because sex sins affects your body. Do you know what porn causes? Regular use? Erectile dysfunction. A 2017 study presented to the American Urological Association points to this fact that people who regularly masturbate to porn begin to prefer that venue and that kind of stimulation and that's how they gain their sexual gratification and satisfaction. It also causes them to be less likely to marry. Because people who are addicted to porn, they say, what's the use? I, I get my sexual release and gratification through, through porn. I, I don't need a wife. I don't need a husband. I don't need to deal with all the other things associated with marriage. I don't need that. And so that's what the 2016 study in the Eastern Economic Journal points to that fact from their studies. Another impact on the body is that decreased brain cells occur in men who frequently use porn versus men who don't. And this part of the brain where the brain cell decreases, it's the part of the brain that deals with problem solving. A 2014 study by the Max Planck Institute points to that. An issue that it raises is also to the body is sexual problems. It occurs in people who, who frequently view porn versus those who don't. A university in Arkansas, the psychology department, points to this. He says, this is very, very devastating, the sexual problems. I remember a number of years ago, this couple we had made an appointment. They wanted to see me. And so as we sat in my office, and they sat across the table from me, and the wife after we went through the pleasantries, hello, how was everything, how are the kids? She just hung her head. And the husband, he went right to it. He said, Pastor, we, we need your help. I said, what's going on? He said, uh, our marriage, it's not going well in the bedroom. It's, our sex life is just not, it's not good. He said, uh, my wife's breasts are too small. I want her to have... Breast augmentation. You see tears just puddling up in her eyes. I said, brother, you, you knew the size of her breasts. When you got married, you could look and see. You don't need glasses. I said, ma'am, would you step out of the room? I just need to chat with your husband. I said, how long have you been watching porn? His head dropped. I said, let me help you get free because you are projecting onto your wife what has been something you got caught up with viewing. See, Paul is saying run from sexual sin, run from porn because it affects your body. Another way, it's the fact that it causes mental health issues. 
Men and women, they go through depression, anxiety, relational problems, low self-esteem. All that are byproducts of regular porn viewing. It also alters one's sexual appetite. And what's most dangerous is this because when they start off, they start off with a normal sense of what is morally acceptable on a sexual, in the sexual arena. But after viewing it, their sexual tastes begin to change, and it changes so that they no longer have a benchmark as to what normal is. And so the Journal of Adolescent Health in 2000 documented that porn rewires a person's mind so they don't know what's normal when it comes to sexuality. And so their appetite changes, and experimentation widens, and desires widen. And I'm saying, Paul's saying, look, look, stay away. It's dangerous. Porn creates this unquenchable thirst for more. And there are triggers associated with it. So you got to watch the triggers so you know how to not avoid it. And I always say, like Samson, he didn't know with Delilah, what was his trigger? He just had a major victory. His trigger is relaxation. Major victory is, is trigger adrenaline. Major victory is trigger isolation. He needs to know that when those triggers start to rear their head, come up with a different answer. Come up with a different action. Come up with a different behavior pattern so I don't get sucked into this thing. And I always say to people that you need to then not only know the triggers, but how you drive, what drives you to the triggers. So cars, C-A-R-S, always driving people. In this instance, cars reflect C, conflict, A, adrenaline, R, relaxation, S, stress. So you need to look them and then conflict happens, an argument between you and your husband or an argument between you and your kid. And then you sit down in front of the screen, the television or just television or even the computer screen or your iPhone and you sit there just to calm down. Why? A conflict did it. Or maybe adrenaline, rush of your, of your heart's heart rate, rush of increase of pressure. Next thing you know, you're sitting there. Relaxation. Man, I worked hard all day. This dad said to me, I got a 16-year-old son, and can you talk with him? Because I'm not getting through to him. So I met with his teenager. I said to his dad, can you step out? I just want to talk to your, your son by himself. I said, what's going on? He said, I got a problem with porn, and my dad thinks it's a problem. I don't think it's a problem. I said, well, when do you watch porn? So when I come home from school, I'm just, uh, I just need to relax. You see, this thing, you got to watch for the triggers, the, the cars, the conflict, the adrenaline, the relaxation, the stress. And Samson, he didn't look for those triggers. And so he found himself deeper and deeper and not just deceived, but now defeated and defeated. He's feeling as if, man, I got, I, I can't, uh, I can't get free. And there he is defeated, taken down, not by Philistines, killing somebody killing him, but he's taken down by sex sins. He's forced into slavery, grinding corn in a prison, eyes gouged out, blind now. Why? Because he never avoided the porn trap. Terry Crews, an American actor, painfully admitted pornography in a lot of ways, 
It really, really messed up my life. My wife was literally like, I don't know you anymore. I'm out of here. By not telling people, it becomes more powerful. But when you tell and when you put it out there in the open, it loses its power. It's amazing. There's nothing that God can't break you free from. And so what I've learned is that porn, the, the trap, it deceives, it defeats, but you can be delivered. And that's exactly what happened to Samson. Two routes that you can get delivered, death or deliverance. Samson went the route of death. They caught him. He's in prison. Eyes are gouged out. One day the Philistines were having a big, big festive event. They bring him into the great Colosseum. 3,000 people, the Bible tells us, were in that Colosseum. And they wanted to make sport of Samson. Just laugh as they're drinking and high in spirits. They're just laughing as he's doing silly things. The mighty Samson. And then we find in Judges 16, verse 28, there's a glimmer of hope. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached towards the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. Samson's prayer, very few times in the Bible, you ever see Samson talking to God? That's what prayer is. Samson prayed, God, would you remember me? All my humiliation, all my shame, all my disappointments, all my bad behavior, all my acts of sexual morality. God, because you're so gracious, because you're so full of mercy and grace. God, I just want you to remember me one more time and give me strength just one more time. And the Bible, it tells us that his hair started to grow back, you know, and he got strength. And so he went and pulled down the two columns and it collided on him. And 3,000 Philistines were killed all of that one instant. And then I ask myself now, since I'm part of that CSI, spiritual CSI team, God, where did Samson go? Heaven, hell, where did Samson go? And emerges from the New Testament in Hebrews 11 verse 32, gives us the answer. Chapter 11 lists all these mighty men and women of God that did phenomenal things. And verse 32 says, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson. Samson, who through faith conquered kingdoms. I'm looking. God put Samson in the New Testament and say, this man, he got delivered. Though it took place in death, I'm putting him in the sacred text that years to come, even in our day, thousands of years later, we're reading about Samson. What that tells me is this. I don't care how flawed, how broken, how messed up you've been, how 
complicated, how hooked, how trapped. God, when he sets you free, he sets you free. We serve a God that's mighty to deliver, mighty to save, mighty to set free. Samson was forgiven and he made it into heaven. So can you. Repentance breaks you free from the trap of sexual sin. That's what it does. Repentance means turn around. Repentance means call on God and say, God, I'm wrong, God, the way I chose to carry myself sexually. You're right. I'm wrong. I want to go your way. Kirk Franklin, Christian recording artist, he tearfully admitted years ago, if I have been set free from this one, anybody can be set free because I questioned for years whether I could be set free. Dude, I was doing albums, albums that people were getting blessed by, and I was struggling with pornography. It took a lot of courage. Kirk Franklin went to his pastor, who was Dr. Anthony Evans, and, and he said, Dr. Evans, I, I, I'm, I'm bound up. And Pastor Evans says, come the way of the cross. God can forgive, God can deliver. See, it took a lot of courage for Kirk Franklin to confidently let his secret out. And that's where the enemy traps people oftentimes. Secrecy is the breeding ground of shame and bondage. The more it's a secret, the more the shame grows. The more you hide your secret, the darker the cloud of shame. The more you hide your secret, the heavier the weight of guilt. The more you hide your secret, the louder the sound of self-condemnation. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so God can heal you. This particular sin, the only way you can get free is not by yourself. You've tried that already. You need someone to come alongside of you and say, let me help you find freedom. And there you begin to experience freedom. You can't get free by yourself. We serve a God that has put you in a body. And the body is there to help heal the body. Don't walk around with guilt and self-condemnation and hopelessness and despair and think that you are going to live your life always bound. No, Jesus. Jesus is in the business of loosing those who have been bound. He came to set the captives free. He came to give the prisoners freedom. And I want you to know you can be free from the trap of porn. You can be set free. And we serve a God who loves to have a wonderful outcome. I read the end of the book. It says, you have been delivered. I read the end of the story. You have been set free. We serve this awesome deliverer, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, and the great deliverer. Come on, someone magnify our God. Lord, we love you. And we love your presence. And even if you're bound, yes, you, you can be set free. You don't need to live trapped any longer. Your sin doesn't scare us. Your sin doesn't scare God. Because he's a healer. And I want to pray with you today.